is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Tuesday, July 20th, and it is the final 32nd, the final team preview. That was a fun run, though. I think this is a valuable exercise, and uh, appreciate the feedback from everybody. It does help to kind of dive into these teams and understand the players on each roster, so we'll wrap it up with the football team. They'll have a new name in 2022. We don't know what that name is just yet, but uh, they are the football team for the time being. And I think that name's badass. I don't care what people have to say. I love the name. So forever, they'll be the football team to me. But uh, regardless, a very interesting team. Before we get into that, remember, you can head on over to ftnfantasy.com. A lot of people keep asking me, hey, where do we get this draft board you keep talking about? Well, you get it over at ftnfantasy.com. In the 2021 Fantasy Football Game Plan, that is my draft guide magazine. I wrote that bad boy cover to cover. Compiled all the stats for you. A lot of useful information in there. Uh, And you get that as a part of the subscription over at ftnfantasy.com. Use the promo code RATPACK. Get yourself a little discount right there. So let's dive into the football team. You know, this was, well, a surprising squad last year. They made the playoffs. They actually, I I think there's a fair argument, obviously Green Bay as well, but I think there's a fair argument to be made that the football team gave the Bucs about as tough of a game as they had in the playoffs. And that was with Taylor Heineke under center. And that was a big part of the problem for the team last year because defensively, they were in a pretty good spot. You know, they had a pretty solid defense, uh, you could say, and arguably, you know, I think that's underselling it, arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL. Chase Young was a hit in his rookie year, and, you know, they're only going to continue to improve from there. Defensive-minded head coach makes a lot of sense. They're right up there. I know some people, even for fantasy defense purposes, which I don't talk about on these preview series, but some people are even viewing them as potentially the number one defense in fantasy football. It's not a it's not a year where there's one defense. And by the way, I would never recommend drafting the first defense off the board, but just under it's just underscoring how good they are. But last year, while they had some interesting pieces, you had a rookie in Antonio Gibson, who showed he can be an NFL running back. We had some questions coming into the NFL because he was sort of a hybrid tweener type, but he showed he can be an NFL running back. You had Terry McLaurin, Mick Scorin, taking yet another step forward here in year two. You had Logan Thomas, who asserted himself as a tight end in the NFL. Not a converted quarterback anymore. This dude's just a tight end. But you had a big problem, a glaring problem at that. And that, of course, was who's under center for you. Now, the Alex Smith story, I don't want to downplay that because it was remarkable. For him to get back on the field after what he went through, amazing. I mean, gives me chills just thinking about it. It's really an inspirational story. And he did well enough for this team. But as I mentioned, you know, you get to the the end here, you're relying on Taylor Heineke. You don't have a quarterback in the pipeline because Dwayne Haskins is out of the mix. So they had a big problem. And fortunately, they addressed that problem with something that I think is pretty darn interesting. Ryan Fitzpatrick, sure, one-year deal. Sure, veteran at the end, you know, the twilight of his career. Sure, not the future of your franchise. But you know what he can be? He can be the darn present of your franchise. This year, Ryan Fitzpatrick 
for the first time in a while, kind of has a long runway. There's nobody behind him. I mean, Taylor Heineke's still the backup. And that's not your future, as I mentioned. You know, you're positioning yourself to hopefully land a quarterback at some point in the future, which we know is easier said than done in the NFL. But Fitzy could guide this team to the playoffs. I have no doubt about that, given what they have offensively, all the weapons, and defensively. And what I love about Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, at this point in his career, he's he's become very savvy. You know, earlier in his career, like the mid-stage of his career, there were times where he would he would literally implode, right? He could go out, he could have a two or th- or a three or four touchdown game, and then the next game he could have a five interception game. That was the mo for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, not anymore. You know, last year, yeah, he had eight interceptions. Okay, fine. He's never going to be like a four interception guy. He's gonna have. 12, 13, 14, 15 interceptions. He's going to have close to one per game, but whatever. That's part of the moxie, though. That's part of him throwing the football around the around the yard and pushing the ball vertical, all those fun things that we want to see for fantasy purposes. Out of the gate last year, okay, week one wasn't good, but he has 14th place finish in week two, sixth in week three, 13th, third, and then 14th, and then it was two a time. Uh, basically from there on out. So he flashed some pretty solid upside there over that first six weeks of the season. During that span, he's the number 11 fantasy quarterback, uh, throws for, you know, he's tops uh, 300 yards three times in that span. This is on the Dolphins. Over 1,500 passing yards, 10 TDs, pretty solid. I mean, not, you know, it's not two per game, but that's still pretty solid. And the thing that I love about Ryan Fitzpatrick is the ability to run. So over that first six games, he has 135 rushing yards and two scores. That's top 10 at the position. Here are the guys who rushed more than him over the first six weeks of the season. Kyler and Lamar, okay. Cam, okay. Daniel Jones, we know he can run. Carson Wentz, eh, running for his life. Mahomes, Russ, Josh Allen. That's it. That's the list. So the only one maybe where you're like, well, okay, is the Carson Wentz one. Otherwise, it all checks out. Fitzpatrick's right up there. He brings you to the floor with his legs. He has the upside with his arm. And he's throwing to a pretty good fleet of receivers here. McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, who I'll talk about in a minute, Logan Thomas, and then Antonio Gibson slash J.D. McKissick out of the backfield. Ryan Fitzpatrick is an upside late-round quarterback. I am targeting him in fantasy drafts. He gives you that juice, that upside. You don't have to pay a premium price, and he's going to be the starter for the whole season. All right, so let's talk about these wide receivers here right after the break. So as I mentioned, there's a lot of upside with just the whole receiving core here. You have Terry McLaurin. You bring Curtis Samuel in from Ron Rivera's previous stomping grounds in Carolina. Adam Humphreys is on the roster. It's a solid veteran, but we, you know we're very much in the downslope of Humphreys' career. But you do bring in Diami Brown. You have Steven Sims. You have the Sims guys there. Antonio Gandy, Colton, still on a couple dynasty rosters for me. But really, Brown is probably the most interesting outside of the top two. I don't know if he makes much of an impact in year one, but I could see him he'd definitely be servicing on the DFS radar this year. But it really comes down to Terry McLaurin first and foremost. McScorin took a step forward last year, like I said, with almost basically no quarterback play. 
And he goes from a pretty solid rookie year, 919 and 7 on 58 catches in his rookie year, catches 87 balls last year, 1,118 receiving yards, only four scores, but again, quarterback play, I'm not going to fault you for it, McScorin. He upped his fantasy points per game from 13.7 to 15.1, top 20 season for him, despite only four touchdowns. I think we see him take another step forward this year, and it really rounds into form with a capable quarterback throwing him the ball. I don't know if the volume increases. I think it's about the same this year because you bring Curtis Samuel in, but the efficiency, that's where I'm looking at uh, an increase here. Touchdown efficiency will go up. I don't think McLaurin's a double-digit type of guy, uh, but four could be seven again. You know, Four touchdowns last year could be seven. That boosts him up. Plus, uh, you know, greater yards per catch. I have him up from 12.9 last year to 14.2 this year uh, based on the impact of Ryan Fitzpatrick. So all of that is all good. I love him as a borderline wide receiver one. I actually have him at 12, so he's a back-end wide receiver one for me. Now, Samuel's also pretty interesting. My one question about Curtis Samuel is how does the team use him? Because we've seen two very different approaches over the last two seasons in terms of Samuel's usage. In 2019, he was a downfield threat. His average depth of target was 14.8 yards. That is very far from the line of scrimmage. That's very far downfield. And, you know, while he did offer that big play juice, overall, it was not a very efficient year. 54 catches on 103 targets. Now, last year, the ADOT was basically cut precisely in half, 7.4 yards downfield under Joe Brady at offensive coordinator, catches 77 of 97 balls, much more efficient, 854 yards on, on, by the way, six fewer targets, three touchdowns, okay, fine, whatever, but during the final 10 games of the season, he posted uh, top 30 weeks in seven of those games. And he was the number 12 fantasy receiver. So the key was Samuel, and we should know this from his college performance, get the ball to him in space, let him do his thing. Let him use his speed, let him use his elusiveness, and, you know, again, let him do his thing. The problem, I don't know if, you know, his head coach in 2019, granted Rivera doesn't have much to do with the offensive side of the ball, but his head coach in 2019 was Rivera. So hopefully they take a page out of what Joe Brady did last year because he can still be a very dynamic weapon. Given his high ceiling, I think he's a good wide receiver three target. I have him ranked currently at 32 among wideouts, which I think, um, you know, a fair range, sort of back-end wide receiver three with some juice. Logan Thomas, as I mentioned earlier, not a converted quarterback anymore. He is a tight end. He's coming off a top three fantasy season. Now, that was a season where, okay, Kyle Pitts was not in the league. George Kittle was hurt. It was a weird year, and he was pretty close. After you get outside of the top two last year of Kelsey and Waller, it was pretty close between you know the next chunk, good chunk of players uh, outside of them. So I actually have him at eight. I think there's a higher ceiling with guys like TJ Hawkinson, with Kyle Pitts, with Mark Andrews. But I have Thomas in this sort of mini-tier with Dallas Goddard, actually a pretty good spot to target your tight ends. There is plenty of upside still with Thomas. I don't know if the volume will quite be there because I do have a lot of targets going to Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, sort of sucking up a bunch of that workload, along with McLaurin obviously leading the team, Samuel second on the team. 
McLaurin, 131 targets, 90 to Samuel, 85 to Thomas right now, but that's still more than enough. He is not uh, just a three for 32 guy. He's he's more close. He's probably closer to a four for 44 type guy, which is what we're looking for for fantasy purposes. And there's nobody else there who's going to catch any passes in in terms of the tight ends. So let's round it out. Antonio Gibson has a thousand yards in his sights for this year. I think he gets it. I have him just over a thousand yards, 1,013 on 221 carries. Nine scores on the ground, two as a receiver. We know he can find the end zone. That's what he does. Now, I mentioned the targets, though, because J.D. McKissick, I, I know he's putting on weight. He's not going to be a three-down guy. So I have him with 72 carries. It's 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 Gibson's backfield there. But McKissick is going to be used as a receiver. I have 54 targets going to him, 62 to Gibson. So McKissick catching 39 balls, Gibson 48. So Gibson, 221 carries, 48 catches. That's a big time workload right there. That puts him at the you know the back end of RB ones, but he's every bit of that. Now the one concern we may have is the toe injury. He is coming off of that. Remember last year at the end of the year, it still was lingering through the off season, but reports are that he is good to go. So we'll just keep an eye on it. I, it's nothing for me to be worried about per se. Uh, but it's, it is something to at least monitor as we head into training camp. As of right now, though, top 12 guy, top 12 guy. I think you're right there with Antonio Gibson. So you're talking basically like a mid-second rounder, uh, mid to early second rounder, depending on how frisky you are with running backs in fantasy football drafts here uh, this year, 2021. So that rounds it out, man. That's it. That's it. So what we're going to do now before training camp opens, because we have a couple teams in camp at the end of the week here, but next week it'll be in full swing at the end of the week. Uh, before that all kicks off, we're going to break down my tiers. Quarterback tiers coming tomorrow on the podcast, so you don't want to miss that. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, using hashtag RadPack. That way I know you're a listener of the show, and FTNFantasy.com, go check it out. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out. Ouch.